Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to build your faith and equip you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Genesis 12 begins the story of Abram. Verse 1 says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And verse 4 says, So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. As you listen to Becky Keenan's story today, it might remind you a little of Abram. From a young age, she's been quick to respond to God's voice. Becky is the mother of two and serves as the senior pastor with her husband, Joe, of Gulf Meadows Church in Houston, Texas. I know you will enjoy her enthusiasm for God. Welcome, Becky. Hello. It's so good to be with you, Jody. Thank you. Yeah, Becky, I know you're a woman of action. Were you always that way? Share a little about your background and where you came from. Yeah, I'm the fifth child um, of loving parents who were married, oh dear, for 50 years. As far back as I can remember, I was very active, uh, very bouncy, full of energy. Yes. So action was, is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the game. It is. It is. I've always been that way. And I think that, you know, my mother used to always tell me, God will sanctify you. He will polish you, but God gave you that personality. So you treasure it. So it's something that, that I've always mm. had. I've been a little bit like a Marie and the Sound of Music, you know, at times where she was, you know, singing when she shouldn't, skipping, hopping and whatnot. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a jolly character. I come from a very happy family and siblings, you know, parents and whatnot. So that's how I grew up. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Germany in Stuttgart. Uh, my dad was in the army, U.S. Army for 27 years, served proudly, and we all, you know, love our military and whatnot, all branches. Then we moved to New Jersey, to Fort Dix, then to Puerto Rico after my father retired. And we were five, so we were all born in different places. An adventure and a wonderful life, really, to, to be able to serve our country. Yeah, you know, I my dad was at Air Force, so um, I know that life, and it is uh, it is an exciting, adventurous life, and it kind of put that spirit in me as well. I'm always looking for the next place the Lord's going to send me. What what adventure is He going to send me on now? What led you actually to Jesus? How did He become real to you, and fr frankly, your whole family? Well, I'm glad you said your whole family because in order to share my story, I have to share uh, the background. When I was in, in Germany as a three-month-old uh, baby, there was a, in, in the base, uh, meningitis went around and a child had passed away. And this is 1963, uh, but we won't tell anybody my age. Penicillin was the medicine used uh, to cure uh, meningitis, and I am allergic uh, to penicillin. So when I came down with the touch of meningitis, I had fever and all the symptoms and whatnot. It was more than a touch. They brought my dad from maneuvers. And you know, in the military, they don't do that. You know, you're doing something and you're going to finish that. When they brought my dad from maneuvers and my mom saw him come into the hospital room, she knew it was really, really bad. They thought I was not going to make it. At that time, my father, who had been raised Baptist in Puerto Rico, he had converted to Catholicism to get married to my mother. Uh, they both knelt down by the crib in, in the hospital. And uh, I had come after four children in seven years without 
uh, kids after the fourth one. So very much a wanted baby. They knelt down and they said, God, you gave us this child. You gave us this baby. Please, you certainly know how to heal this child. So they knew that much. They had not read the Bible, but they knew that if God was our creator, God, a father, God, they knew that, that he could heal and that he would come through. Right. Sure enough, the next morning I woke up and I was completely healed, but I, I need to say one more interesting detail. As they knelt and prayed for my healing, they made a promise to God. And they said, if you heal her, she will be a nun. She will serve you because that was the framework of their faith at the time. So they said, we give her to you to be a nun. So I wake up the next day. I'm completely healed. We live a God-fearing life. I grew up all my life with a hunger, a desire that I remember clearly. Even as a child, I would read so many biographies of saintly people. And I just wanted to know how can I know God? And that was, that was a very um, driving passion, a force inside of me and, and genuine, you know, very genuine. So you have this hunger inside of you and you're going to the Catholic church and, you know, you're doing what you know to do. I'm going to the Catholic church every single day, going to mass every morning, having communion, confessing and trying to live an upright life before God. And I did as much as I could, but you know, internally there's stuff that you think about and you don't do, but you enjoy it as much as if you were doing it. And in your heart, you have evil desires because you're a human being. And let's be real, right? This podcast is also about being real. We have desires, we have our will, we have our thoughts. And I had a very strict mother. So my thought life was very developed <laughs> because that's all I had. So while everybody thought I was really, really good, and sometimes I believed it as well, it wasn't until I had an encounter with Jesus that I really, my suspicions about myself were totally confirmed and it broke me. Yeah. So, I mean, you're hungering for the Lord. And of course, you know, with an unregenerate heart, we all have that, you know, mix of sin in us. The sin is ruling us at that point. But God looked at your heart and it kind of, you know, as you were talking, it reminded me of Cornelius in the Bible. You know, he was doing everything he knew to do to know God. And so God sent someone, you know, God said, go get Peter who's going to tell you about me. You know, God worked it out so that your family also had an encounter with the Lord. How did that happen? What what did he use to reveal himself to all of you? Well, I certainly was like Cornelius. I had remember I had even walked to the house of this lady that lived a little farther away in my in our neighborhood to learn how to pray the rosary and I did that every single night with 50 litanies and the whole nine yards. And like you say, God saw my heart. My oldest sister was living in the United States and she had married an actor and they'd lived a very bohemian life and they were hungry themselves because that's the truth. That's the truth of the matter. Everyone at some point has a hunger for God. And I would say to those listening, if you're at that point right now, give into that hunger and cry out to Jesus. I uh, was exposed through them to all kinds of philosophies and all kinds of beliefs, and, and they were not satisfying. 
And then one day, I remember they came to our house and they gave all of us Bibles. Now, you need to understand, these are my beloved sister and her husband who you would visit and would be sitting under a pyramid meditating in their living room or that we're doing Silva mind control or that we're doing, you know, some kind of Hindu thing or even spiritism. And uh, for those who are of Latin uh, descent, Santeria and all this type of stuff, you know, so they were heavy into the occult as well, because I will say something to the audience. If you start uh, searching for God outside of the Bible, pretty quickly, it'll be corrupted. And you'll find yourself, even if you don't want to, worshiping something that is not God. And that is the difference between Christianity and every other religion. All religions are our effort, man's effort to reach God. And that's, that has a certain uh, nobility and value and goodness and that we want to seek God, but it's works. It's from the bottom up. Christianity is the opposite. It's God sending his son down to, to, to minister to us. He became one of us. It's what a mystery. Who else did that? No one. And he rose from the dead on the third day, uh, defeating, you know, sin, sickness, curse, uh, every, every evil thing. So uh, they had had an experience with the Lord where God healed my brother-in-law miraculously from dengue fever. And while it's not a popular disease, I will say that healing with Jesus Christ is quite very popular. He will do it for you today and he will continue doing it. Uh, he was healed. He gave his heart to the Lord and we saw a genuine change. They spoke not of religion, but of repentance. They spoke about turning around. They spoke about walking into the light, leaving darkness behind them. That's true repentance. That's true salvation. And we saw the fruit of it, joy, peace, love, a release of burdens, a, a calmness, and even an enjoyment of little things, I have to say. You know, it was just so, we were all so happy they got saved, but then they started, like I said, giving us Bibles and talking to us. And of course, I had never done any of the wicked stuff they had done, only in my mind, right? Uh, but they, inv <laughs> they invited us to go to church. So we would go to Mass at 10 a.m., do what we knew was right. And then at 2 p.m., we would go to their church, which was just a simple full gospel church. But we were terrified. We would sit all the way in the back. And while our spirit and we rejoiced and we loved the worship and the testimonies and, and everything, we were just scared to death that we were in this place that was not our, you know, religion. Then I understood that it's not about religion. I understood then that it's not about labels. I understood that it's about relationship. It's about relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is near to you. If you cry out to him from your heart and you, you speak it, he, he does hear and he'll answer you and forgive. It doesn't matter what sin uh, you commit. He can and will forgive, you know, so. Uh, our fear started, you know, uh, changing into love. We were able to receive more of the word of God. And uh, after some time, I wanted to bury my old nature because I had accepted the Lord. My mother invited me on a Friday night to this other little Bible study, uh, this harmless little home study uh, that she was going to. And I remember telling her that I was so bored and that's the only reason I'm going. So remember, I'm listening. I'm I have a Bible. I'm doing all these things and I'm getting, I feel good, but I hadn't taken the step of faith. We all have to take a step of faith. There's a moment when you have to say, okay, 
this is me and you, Lord. And this is what's happening. This is where I'm at. So we were in this house meeting. I could walk from my house to that house. So I said, mom, I'm going to go because if it's too long, I can walk away. And if they pray, you know, in the spirit or some weird thing like that, I can leave. And if they should dare pray for me, I can run out of that place. And uh, so I had all these uh, preconceived ideas of what a Christian meeting, you know, in a home would be. So I went and you know what? The meeting took long. They spoke in tongues and they prayed for me and I didn't leave. I was glued to the chair, but you know why? Because I could see the genuine faith and genuine love for God. And that's what I had been looking for. So how could I leave? Um, and it seemed like so simple, really. It didn't take me, you know, walking on my knees or you know, doing some big sacrifice. Anyway, I remember at the end of this meeting, the owner of the house, who was a family friend, said to me, Becky, do you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? And of course, I said, well, I've always had Jesus in my heart. And he said, yes, but you need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. You know, he's a Savior, but I do you know you're a sinner? And, and, you know, I had like a Tom and Jerry moment there, you know, when you watch the cartoons, they have a little angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. And I could promise you that that happened to me that night because one little voice was telling me in a matter of seconds, if you give your heart to the Lord, your whole life is going to change. But in a negative tone, the, me- the what, it, what, what it was saying was true, but it was kind of like in a bad way. And then on the other shoulder, I could hear like like a, a positive <laughs> voice, you know, like the little angel saying, yeah, and if you give your heart to the Lord, your life is going to change completely. And mm. then one little thing was added, and you will serve me. And I listened to that voice. I remember, you know, bowing my head, praying with all my heart. He led me in a, in a prayer that I repeated and I, I prayed with all my heart. And I knew that I knew that I knew, I don't ask me why, that I was called to serve God, that I would preach, that I would travel, that I would take the gospel all over the world. And that did not fit my uh, background. You see, there was no way that this would really, really make sense. My mother was there listening to me pray. And while she was very happy, she went home and had a special meeting with my dad with the door closed in the master bedroom and said, Becky prayed today and she gave her heart to the Lord. And afterwards she said that she would serve God. And that's when the Holy Spirit reminded her of the promise she had made God when I was three months old in Germany. Mm. That she had forgotten. That's why she went home, knocked the door and talked to dad, had one of those mom and dad, you know, private meetings that you're not allowed to go into the room. And she said to him, what are we going to do? Well, my dad wasn't even saved at the time. And he said, don't do anything, you know? So, but, so she was happy, but terrified that I would serve the Lord because she had already received the Lord before I had. You started serving the Lord almost immediately. It didn't take you long to start telling others about Jesus. When I was a little girl, I want to say I thank God and I blessed that poor neighborhood because I would drag all the children in and (laughs) anything I had learned, I would teach them. I had a big blackboard and a chalk and this and even seats for them. Now, why would I be different when I got (laughs) saved? So I went around, I remember I made, I even made invitations and I went house by house 
knocking on the door, telling people I'm saved and I'm preaching and you need to come to this house meeting. I had no clue what I was doing. I knew, you know, like John 3, 16, I knew like two verses, but I would preach, you know, with all my heart. And I didn't have an interesting testimony. These people knew me all my life. (laughs) I don't even know why they came, but they came and they got saved. People started getting saved. And then this is another crazy Becky story. One day, this friend of mine, we had a house out in the country. These people were Christian across where our house was. And they would always witness to us, to our irritation. And one day, I, I I don't know what I said about having a guitar. I said something like, yeah, I want to have a guitar. He came to the city with a guitar. And uh, this was right about the time after, you know, when I got saved. Uh, so, some months have gone by. He shows up. Wow. He didn't know I was saved. And he said, Becky, I brought the guitar that you want. Well, my mother was furious because, right, you don't buy stuff. I didn't have a salary. You don't put me in this situation. And uh, she paid, I don't know, a hundred bucks or something. And suddenly I had a guitar and I would look at that thing in my room and think, I didn't even want a guitar. Well, but then I started the house meetings. So I can tell you, I learned D, G and A and people with D, G and A, you can travel the world. And I sang songs only that started in the key of D that needed a G and an A, and that was all the songs. Well, you know, back then, that's what the songs were. They were three chords. Now, they're much more complicated today, so I, I feel oh. for those who are trying to learn today. But, I did, you know, I learned guitar when I was young, too, and I could play any any song, you know, because it was basically three chords with maybe a minor thrown in. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the Lord was glorified one way or another. It, uh, I ended up uh, having a Sunday school, what they used to call an extension Sunday school out in the country. So they were not, you know, uh, spared my salvation either. So <laughs> it started a Bible group out there as well. You know, when you receive the Lord and he's forgiven you and also giving you a hope and a future, like the Bible says, and, and a purpose and a calling. And even if you don't see all of it, I couldn't see all of it, but I was just so glad and so grateful. You immediately want to talk to other people, share it, and people share in different ways. I want to hasten to say that you don't have to be like me. Uh, you might, you know, express that gratitude and that excitement in a different way. Because like my mother said, we each have a different personality and God is and different gifts. Yes. And different, and yeah. get, God magnifies his name through us in, you know, many different ways. I know a lady that makes uh, very tiny uh, paintings. They're kind of like the size of a matchbox. If you can imagine a piece of, of cardboard uh, folded and she paints on the outside uh, just some kind of landscape. And when you open it, it says a tiny little message like you are forgiven. Jesus loves you. It's kind of like three little words. There is hope. And and while that might seem very simple, uh, that has touched so many people, her art. But you see, she she doesn't speak, but she gives these out. I mean, she can speak, but she's not a speaker. So she gives these out and people are blessed by her artwork. Now, you see, if I tried doing that, it would be like kindergarten art. So it wouldn't work. Well, you are actually a very brilliant young woman because by the time you were 16, you were enrolled in college. You know, you had plans of going on to be a neurosurgeon, but God had ever a different plan for you. So how did that all go down with your 
you know, as you were figuring out what God had for your life and talking to your parents about it? And when I was a little kid, I destroyed every possible <laughs> doll that I had because my room was like a, a lab or a hospital. So they were all hooked up to a straw inside a straw inside a straw inside a straw. And they had an IV that was like chocolate milk or whatever I found. And I was, I think about it. I was an unusual child, but my parents were very patient, but I, they nurtured this desire of me being a doctor. They went along and I loved it. So I did well in school as well. I always was the kid that sat in the front, did extra homework, read an extra book. I loved school. They had a, a fund for me to go to medical school. I was very uh, sure that I would be a neurosurgeon. And I did do surgery on some, you know, helpless little snails and some lizards. And I apologize to the animal kingdom at this point. But then when I got saved... What happened was, together with this calling, I started going to a church where they prayed for the sick. And I saw people getting healed of not, you know, I have a stomach ache or I have a fever and my toe hurts. I'm talking cancer or tumors or really terrible diseases, serious, serious stuff. And I remember sitting in that pew in that church and saying to God, this is not fair for people that go to medical school because it's so many years and it's so hard and expensive and whatnot, you know, and here these people are getting prayed for all they're using. Maybe they anointed them with oil. Maybe they did it, but they prayed in the name of Jesus, you know, whatever. And they would really get healed. I'm talking with medical record uh, proof and all this. And I was devastated devastated. And I remember thinking, you know, God was like renewing my mind and calling me. And I was so in love with the Lord. I remember being in college and having a big biology book and inside I had the Bible. I was reading the Bible, you know. And finally, the call of God, I felt it so strong in my life that I told my mom and dad, there's no point. There's no point. I want to go for the ministry. Um, at this, you need to understand, I had been chosen in a group, it's called a group of 100, where you skip all these years, even in college, el grupo de los 100, the 100, and mom's like, but you're in the group of 100. I'm like, I know, but I'm miserable, you know, wouldn't you want me to be happy? So that was a big hurdle because I didn't want to stab my parents in the heart in the name of Jesus and go serve the Lord, you know? But at the same time, I wanted to do it when God was calling me. And there is such a thing as timing in the kingdom of God. You know, you, you should obey God when he's telling you to do it. So long story short, I just put them in the hands of God. I prayed. I did my interviews. I did everything that I needed to do on my part. And then God took care of the rest. One day, my mom and dad, you know, came back and said, okay. We're going to let you go. By then, I had been in college two years. I was finally 18 because I had told them, you know, look, look I, I can finish college to please you. But the day I graduate, I will give you that diploma. And then I'm off to be trained for the ministry. I want to serve the Lord. So when they saw, I guess, that how serious I was, 
I didn't know anything about the secret about my healing and them dedicating me to the Lord to serve him when I was three months old. They hadn't told you, huh? No, 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 no. They held that to their chest. That was close to their breast and they were not about to tell me. So finally, when they saw how determined I was, how serious I was, that I was truly serious about it. Yeah, that it wasn't just youthful, a youthful passion. No, no. And I was, you know, when I put my hand to do something, I usually did it. When they saw this was not going away, I remember mm-hmm. they, they were they were very formal people. They We sat in the formal living room, they called, and you knew that was at another level, you know, the conversation yeah, yeah. that was about Tinsu. And they said, uh, Becky, we need to tell you something. And they told me the story. They said how they knew that anyway, I didn't belong to them, that I belonged to the Lord and that they had given me to the Lord and he'd healed me and that they understood this was God calling me and that they, the Holy Spirit had been knocking at their door, telling them, let her go. So I didn't know that, but he was one that convinced uh, them about it. And I went, I left home, you know, with their blessing, with the blessing of my pastors, with the, you know, everyone's blessing in the church. Um, and it was, uh, it was very difficult on the, uh, for me to leave. The day I left, we went to the airport. Everyone was there. I was, I had a lot of friends and whatnot. And I remember my mother giving me a hug as if she wanted to push me inside of her chest wall and her being, you know, and then she pushed me with equal force and said, go and don't turn back, serve the Lord. And I was just shocked looking at her when she said that, but I said, yes. Left a very comfortable home, a loving and supportive family for an unknown future, kind of like Abram did. And after some initial training, you were sent out as a missionary. So where did God send you? What did you do? Well, I had the privilege of being sent to a very poor place. Uh, and um, so I, um, I went to the first place I went was Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic, for those who don't know, it's an island that is the Hispaniola, and it's shared with Haiti and Dominican Republic. So uh, there's extreme poverty. You don't have electricity all day. The water is iffy at that time. It might be better now. I remember when we traveled, somebody said, take a big garbage bag, one of those big black garbage bags. And I thought, why? But I took it. And when you landed there at that time, they would just make a salad, toss all your clothes up in the air on the conveyor belt thing. And then I got the revelation what the garbage bag was. You just open that garbage bag and, you know, dump it all in the bag and put it back in your suitcase and close it and take it. So that was like, welcome. But I loved it. I loved it. We walked everywhere. We were among the people. It was a very different experience for me. I had already practiced living by faith. And I'll let, I, let me explain because it might be useful to somebody. My mother and father gave me everything I wanted. Uh, they were very strict. They did reward work and completing things. So they were very good that way. But at the same time, I'm the youngest and they kind of spoiled me. So my mother would give me a gift almost every day. It would be laid on my bed. So when I got saved and I learned, I started reading about missionaries and, you know, you start reading about Hudson Taylor and you start reading about 
all kinds of brother Andrew who used to smuggle Bibles. He passed away recently. Yeah. What a faithful man of God. Yeah. Almost a hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah. Reese Howells, the intercessor, you know, I started, you know, reading all these stories. I wanted to live by faith too. And the church I went to, all the pastors and ministers lived by faith, which meant you only prayed for your needs. You never told anybody. So I started practicing that at home. And I told mom, cut the gifts. You know, I want to, I want to pray. And if God moves you to give me something, then I'll know if God's answering my prayer. So I kind of started training myself in a little way that way. And when I left home, my most prized possession were my books, not my clothes, really. Uh, So that's what made my suitcase heavy. I got to DC and started training. uh, And it was marvelous. It was a marvelous thing, but it was completely different to anything I ever experienced in my life. I remember my first Christmas, I wanted to eat fruitcake. I really wanted to eat fruitcake. And Nobody, I didn't see any festivity type stuff around, you know, (laughs) special foods, decor. And I remember there was another young girl there and she was from Houston. I told her, why don't we pray for a fruitcake? And we did. And that week we got a big fruitcake that was sent. And that's how you know. And it's a great life. Faith life is a beautiful life. It's a beautiful life. It's scary, but, you know, the Lord comes through when we are desperate for him. He is. Yeah. He's there. Yeah. It's like George Mueller. I had read that too. This man had an orphanage and he only prayed. Uh, he prayed in all the sustenance for him and and all these hundreds of orphans at a time when the world was not that wealthy, you know. So I know God, you know, I knew God was true. So I'm in Dominican Republic. That was a very poor place. We were hungry at times. I was sick most of the time that I was there. I was skin and bones. We used to, I might have mentioned this, I used to put a, a soap bar in one on the clavicle on one side and the other and, uh, you know, cause you had, to, but it was a place where we learned to witness, to love people, also to move in the supernatural because Haiti was right there. And, you know, demons don't just uh, respect the frontier, you know, there, there's demonic activity everywhere, but there was a lot of stuff happening there and we could prove the promises of God for deliverance, um, for healing and, uh, the name of Jesus, I, I will say works not in a magical formula, but with faith as a promise of God. Uh, We saw many, many miracles and wonderful things happen. So what were some of your most poignant experiences that God used that taught you and matured you? I mean, you said you saw many miracles and you obviously encountered some spiritual warfare and, you know, you were still fairly young. I mean, you had been a Christian since 14, but now you're only 20, no, maybe. 18. So 18. you're still yeah. 18. So you're still learning. And what was, what were some of those experiences that God used to really teach and train you for the days ahead? The first thing I would say that is important is that even if you're very smart and intelligent, even if you're educated, even if you have past experience, when it comes to maturing, it's the same for everybody. Mm. It's not a special formula because you're special to your family. You know, newsflash, everybody feels special. I was submitted to authority, working under people as a young missionary, as a young worker. This is what we used to call ourselves, a young young servant of God. I was under these other people. And that's the first 
lesson I learned was submission because there's great protection in that place. You see? Godly submission. Godly submission. Obviously, yes. Godly submission. There's that kind of like that uh, Paul, Timothy type of relationship, uh, you know, Moses and Joshua, that biblical type of training. It's just absolutely wonderful. So I, I began to, to, to learn to minister in that, in that way. I remember shortly after that, I was sent to Puerto Rico and then I went to Mexico. And in Mexico, I had never seen abject poverty as I saw in Mexico and something I wanted to remedy in my flesh, but I didn't have enough belongings to give them, you know, even if I gave everything away, I wasn't going to fix the problem. They needed the Lord more than my stuff which we did end up giving away anyway. But I remember seeing dead people, uh, you know, people dying, people uh, being victims of crime way back at that time. I remember seeing demonic possession like I had never, ever seen before. I mean, I used to read about this stuff, you know, like Derek Prince books and, and things like that. But to to be there, I remember one time, I'll give you one example. There was if you if you can believe this, there was like the neighborhood demon possessed guy, and he would was tall and would come out at night, and he would literally walk a little bit like Frankenstein. It was a very crazy thing. Now, I remember being in our church. Our church had a floor made of this material called caliche that we. It's this loose material, and then you smash it down with a metal, very heavy metal thing that people that work in construction wouldn't know the name of. Well, we had that. We had cylinder, you know, like cement cylinder blocks and wood planks and plastic walls. And in the summer, we cut windows in it. (laughs) That was our sanctuary. And it had a little wooden door. And I remember one person scream out in one of our meetings. We're like having a regular service and somebody came running and said, here comes Tebo. And everybody disappeared in a microsecond except for us. Cause we didn't know what they were talking about. And lo and behold, this like monster starts coming. <laughs> it was terrible. Kind of like the demoniac that encountered Jesus, huh? Yes. Yes, ma'am. And, and, First, you know, well, very quickly, we realized we could not engage in a conversation because the guy was like even growling and everything. Wow. We went into the house and uh, the guy was just walking around. And then some people, we said, what is going on? And they said he, I don't know, he was uh, into witchcraft and then he never came back from something he did. I remember we fasted and prayed and prayed for that man to be free and he was set free. But it was a freakish, crazy, scary, wow. worthy of a movie scene. Did he come to know the Lord? Yes, that's why he, how he became free. Wow, I bet that was just such a testimony to that whole community. Yes, you weren't going and encounter, you know, encountering him and screaming and yelling. You know, you see in some of these movies about uh, exorcisms. I mean, it wasn't like that. It's when the power of God. You prayed and fasted and obeyed God and God set him free. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And it was very satisfying to see such an insane thing be turned around. Really? Do you have to do that? You know, you have to do your homework and spend the time and care yeah. about the person because remember a person like that is suffering. They're not having a great time going about being the neighborhood demoniac. You know, <laughs> they're not, 
they're suffering in their family. So this was a great, you know, blessing and healing. Another, but I'll, I'll say a funny thing that happened. So, cause we, at that time we left our door open, people would come in at any time and they would wake us up and we, we were happy to do whatever. And we had one of the few cars of the neighborhood. So we were the neighborhood ambulance at times as well. I remember one time we were, I think I was cooking or something. And these two ladies came in. Oh, hermana Biki, hermana Biki, hermana Biki, sister Becky. But they, I was always Biki, but whatever. I said, then they said, I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, it was like an emergency. They said, Chachi's, Chachi's isn't doing right. She's not doing well. She's going to die. and She can't give birth. Please come. Now, you need to understand these people were so, so, so poor. Some couldn't even go to the hospital. It's not like in America. Oh, they said that she liked hymns. So we had an old uh, hymnal. And uh, so I grabbed that, our Bible. And the three of us, uh, the the brother that was brother in charge, the other sister and myself, we went running to pray for Chachis who's giving birth and can't give birth and they're doing it at home and she loves hymns, right? So we just run over there. When I get there, all of us get there, we're looking for Chachis and they welcome us. I mean, like we were, I mean, the most important people on earth. And the father came out and the mother of the house, because it was a daughter that went to get us and another one. And in a room, there was the biggest pig I've ever seen. Oh, on the dirt floor, <laughs> giving birth, but she couldn't. Yes, a pig, <laughs> but very important to the family. Yes, the the father told us we raised her inside and we love her and everything. So here we are. I have forsaken everything, left my country, my education, everything, and I'm singing hymns to a pig. <laughs> but you know what? It was a great privilege. Yeah, it was a great privilege. And you know that she had all her little pigs healthily. We were there singing hymns to her, laying hands, praying for her. And it was to the glory of God that everybody knew that God had helped Chachis deliver her little pigs and that family got saved. And it was just a wonderful thing. God will use the weak things and the strange things to bring people to himself, won't he? Yeah. And, you know, I was full of all these great things that missionaries had done, but we need to be willing to to do what's needed. Yeah. You know, I didn't need to do anything else but that. And I think sometimes we have dreams and like illusions of grandeur, religious ones, you know, spiritual right. ones, right? To the glory yeah. of God. But we, we have to do whatever it is that's needed. Maybe we need to like uh, wash some dishes for somebody or change somebody's sheets or I don't know, cook a meal. And that is as glorious as smuggling Bibles. It's as glorious as having a platform in some important venue. Um, So I I know these are funny little stories, but how did God train me? He trained me obeying him in whatever was needed. Yeah. And Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve. And that's what he calls us to do. And service can look so many different ways. Here, singing hymns to a pig. Yeah. That's service to him if he calls us to do it. Yes. Yes. I mean, Mm. I remember they brought me a dead chicken, stuff like that. But this is what was important, really. This is what's important. And so, you know, you just, you just do it in the name of the Lord with joy and respect, always respect, honoring the poor, respecting people, 
Uh, that's very, very important. I loved being in that place. I loved um, serving, walking around the neighborhood, meeting all the people. There were sad things that happened to me through my disobedience. I'll share a bad one. One day I was walking in the neighborhood and I felt the Lord tell me witness to this house in this house. And I remember it was a house where they sold donkeys. And I always would go by and say hello. And and I might've gone in a few times, but that day I felt the Lord told me, you know, go and share the gospel. And, but that day when I went back home, it was late, you know, it was getting dark and mm. we hadn't done the grocery shopping. We only had that day to do the grocery shopping. I went with the other with the other missionary and we went to the supermarket and uh, we bought the groceries. And as soon as we came back, a little kid from the neighborhood came and told us to come that they were asking for me because the elderly gentleman in the house had passed away. And I felt, I can't tell you how disappointed I was in myself, Mm. but more all the more that I felt God tell me go and witness to these people, you know? So uh, you learn through negative experiences as well, because that really hurt me. I felt I grieved God so badly, you know. So you learn through the mistakes that you make. I made a lot of mistakes as well. You know, some are funny, some are kind of dumb, some are disappointing, like the one I just shared, right? And, uh, but I learned, I learned from them. As you've been hearing, Becky Keenan has truly walked in obedience to the Lord. And in Psalm 128, verse 1, it says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord who walk in obedience to him. Now, that word translated obedience is the Hebrew word derek, which means way, manner, or journey. And obeying God is really walking with him, being on a journey with him. We often have a distorted view of obedience, probably from childhood when our parents told us to do something we didn't want to do, even though it was for our own good. So we need a new perspective of what obedience is. It's joining God in his work, following him, seeing his grace and mercy on full display, and allowing God to pour out some of that grace and mercy through us. You know, one way you can do that today is by joining our company of women supporting the Widows and Orphan Fund through the Somebody Cares Widow and Orphan Fund. You can do that at hergodstory.org and know God is using you like he's used Becky to help women and children living in very difficult situations. Now we're going to hear the rest of Becky's story in our next, in our next episode. So be sure to listen to that. But right now, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for all those who are listening to Becky's story. I ask that you will pour out a full measure of faith into every one of their hearts. Lord, so they would both will and do your good pleasure so they can know and walk with you in fullness. Lord, I ask that you would touch each one of them right now, heal their hurting hearts, minister to the cries of their heart, and Lord, allow them to join you in the wonderful work you're doing throughout the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you'll find links to scriptures and other helpful information. And don't forget to sign up for periodic emails. You can also download a free devotional on women of the Bible, and it is really great. We've had some of our guests and some of our staff write week of devotional on a woman who's inspired them. So I know you'll enjoy it. We'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line. 
Give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate or review it on your favorite streaming service. And we'd love for you to share this story with a friend or a family member who might need it. Be sure to like or follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And now, dear friends, I leave you with a blessing adapted from Psalm 119, verses 33 through 35. May God teach you the way of his decrees so you can follow him. May he give you understanding so you can keep his law, obey it with all your heart, and live. May he direct you in the path of his commands, for there you will find delight. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.